Hello everyone, my name is Kendra Johnson, your host, Cross Lake native, lake fanatic, business owner, and honestly, I can just never sit still, as well as the marketing director for Larson Group Real Estate Keller Williams in Cross Lake. Blending together my passion for events and love of the lakes on the Channel Chat podcast, we bring on area experts to talk about all things lake country, as well as events, community updates, and real estate insights. All things that have shaped and will continue to shape this area for decades. Channel Chat was really born out of the idea that podcasts connect people. They connect listeners, they connect information and people who are passionate about podcasting and to their listeners and channels connect the lakes and so our idea behind channel chat was the fact that channels connect the lakes and we connect the people so that is the name of channel chat which i think is really cool because it odes to the lakes area it odes to like the whitefish chain the gull chain um, all the beautiful lakes that we have around here and so that is why channel chat exists A big thank you to the best sponsors in the business, Larson Group Real Estate Keller Williams. With over 38 years of experience, the team at Larson Group service the Lakes area with pride. Located in the heart of the Whitefish chain and just so happens to be our recording studio as well, Cross Lake Town Square. Hey guys, now let's talk about some fun things that are happening in and around Cross Lake. On Thursday, July 13th, Fun in the Park kicks off at the Cross Lake Community Center. Make sure to check that out online for more information. Youth boating classes also start for your operator's permit held by the Whitefish Chain Yacht Club. Make sure to check them out online as well. Sailing at Sunset is going to be held on the 13th as well over at Kicks on 66. Fun in the Park continues on Friday, July 14th. There is music on the deck at Moonlight Bay in Cross Lake with Dose Guys at 5 to 8 p.m. That's on Friday. Shrek the Musical is happening over at the Pequot Lakes Auditorium all weekend, the 14th through the 16th. There's a meat raffle at the Legion in Cross Lake at 6.30 on Friday, the 14th. Women at the Helm operating class on the 15th. Cross Lake Idea Alliance Flea Market in Town Square is on Saturday, July 15th. That starts at 8.30 a.m. There's also a farmer's market at Ideal Green Market and that is on Saturday as well. That starts at 9 o'clock. There's bingo at the Cross Lake Legion on Saturday. That starts at 1.30. There is music on the deck at Moonlight Bay with Andy Austin at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Andy's Seafood Raffle on Saturday starts at 4.30. Night Under the Stars at Camp Knutson uh, is at 4.30 to 8.30 on Saturday, July 15th. Music in the Square also Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. The Longest Journey, which is another Kicks at uh, Kicks on 66 paint class, also on Saturday at 6 o'clock. Manhattan Sunday Fun Day starts at 1 o'clock with live music from Dave Lumley. And then continuing on, youth swimming classes start at Cross Lake on Monday, July 17th. And then Fun in the Park also continues throughout next week as well. And Big Fun Tuesdays are in Cross Lake every Tuesday through the end of the summer. And they start at 1 o'clock and they're in Cross Lake Town Square. For more information on all of these events, make sure you check out Cross Lake Culture on Instagram and on Facebook. And visit the Chamber's website at crosslakechamber.com or crosslake.com. All right. Thanks, guys. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Channel Chat Podcast. This is our fourth official episode of our first season. We're super excited for today's guest, um, someone who we've been trying to get on the podcast here for a little while now. But before we get into the guest, let's introduce the voices in the room. My name is Kendra Johnson, and I am the Channel Chat Podcast host, as well as the marketing director here at Larson Group Real Estate, Keller Williams in Cross Lake Town Square. To my left and across the table is Mr. Rob Berklin. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah, uh, owner of Larson Group Real Estate. It's fun to be a host of this, and it's um, really uh, entertaining the people we've been able to have on. And Brad, I'm excited for our uh, conversation today. Yeah, and you said it. And it's Brad Nelson is in the building. Brad, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, Brad Nelson, former owner of CNC Boatworks in Cross Lake, <laughs> uh, longtime resident, and um, happy to be here visiting with you all today. Should be fun. Yeah, this is good. Well, Rob and I have many a questions that we'll be excited to ask you, but Brad, let's get into a little bit of the CNC history. I mean, up until you sold just a few weeks ago, you were the longest, weren't you the longest family business owned? In Cross Lake? Yeah, 67 years. Holy yep. moly. Yep. Mom and dad purchased in uh, summer of 1956. Wow. So, yeah, my family spent more than a little time here. And when the uh, the Frazier family sold to Simons and Lumber in the early 90s or whatever that date was, we, we kind of officially took over at that point as being the longest family held, uh, longest running, not just family held, but longest running business in the city of Cross Lake. So... That's yeah. awesome. That is neat. Yeah. So where did, I mean, so how does a family just be like, yeah, let's let's start a, a boat industry. Let's have a mecca of Cross Lake. Like, where did that idea come from? Were they like, oh, let's sell some Alumacrafts? What? No, it wasn't really <laughs> even my father's idea. When he came up here, he, he actually had uh, in, more intentions of um, looking for a resort. Of course, the baby boom was on. At that time, and resorts were very popular. Most of them were growing and building and adding, you know, onto their operations. And not a lot of them were for sale, actually, at that time. Of course, the idea of just carving one out of nowhere, I think, and, you know, building every cabin and trying to start from scratch wasn't exactly what he was looking for. He was kind of trying to find a business that would fit into his skill set. Um, my father was a mechanical engineer by degree, a World War II guy, and educated under the GI Bill and all those types of things. And, of course, the baby boom was on, and the families were all traveling in their station wagons back then. You know, I mean, that was the popular thing. And going to the to the Northwoods to cabins for a week or a two or even a month back then was, you know, was pretty commonplace with the, with the American, you know, kind of blue-collar family back in that era. So he was up here, and he fell upon this little podunk marina back in the woods on the, <laughs> the channel and, you know, between Daggett and Cross Lake. And, and I guess the rest you might say is history, so... That's kind of how it all started. What's the history with the C and What's the history with the CNC? The CNC was Al Citro and Larry Cooper, Ah. and they were two brother-in-laws, and they had just actually started. We believe it was just basically about four years before. They weren't here very long, but 1952, I believe, is when CNC actually officially CNC Boatworks officially actually started, and it was just really nothing more than I, I, I guess at one point they. They actually built some little lap strake 14 or 16 foot um, fishing boats. Um, never saw one, um, <laughs> I guess, other than what my father told me and some other people that, you know, some of the old timers that were here before my dad 
Um, I guess they did attempt to build a few boats, but I don't think it was really much of anything, um, you know, um, significant, you know, significant or substantial. I could have just literally been maybe a handful over the years. I don't think anything more than that. So that's kind of where the boat works part of it came okay. from. But what they were doing is they did, I think, have an old gas pump down there and they had a launch ramp. And there was storage for, I, th I think, from what I recall from my father, there might have been 25 or 30 boats in storage back then. Wow. And, of course, all of them were basically either an old outboard of some type, and a lot of them were, you know, the old Century and Chris Craft yeah. inboard boats yep. of the day. And, um, you know, there's just a small single-stall repair shop and, and a uh, Quonset hut that we turned into living quarters that I lived in. We lived in for quite some time, <laughs> um, in fact, till 1977, when my parents finally built a home on Rush, and we actually moved away from the actual, you know, from the actual real estate of, you know, living. So I was basically born and raised running around the CNC Boatworks property and living right on the property because I was, was a junior in high school when, for heaven's sakes, when they, when they built a house and we finally kind of moved away from the property. That was actually pretty common, though. What you, a lot of business owners that were on oh. the water lived on property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, resorts, marinas, I think, you know, you... You really, especially starting out back then, and you had to, you were there day and night anyway. You yeah. Know? I mean, they, there was no real hours. People could, people would roll in at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night out of gas and knock on the door. And <laughs> my mom or my dad would go down and fill them up with gas in the dark. Yeah. You know, and people would come in stranded. And I mean, it was, it was not uncommon. Of course, when I say uncommon, I mean, it happened a few times a summer, but there wasn't nearly the people up here back then that, you know, that there is obviously today. Yeah. Today's you know? very different. But yeah, I think a lot of business owners, you know, Lived on their properties back then. Yeah, you know? it was pretty common. So, so your dad was an engineer, right? Yep, mechanical engineer. Mechanical yep. engineer, probably. So what, what were some of the like the innovative things he did over the history of his ownership? Because, it, it, you know, it's a, you're a big operation. So yeah. going from storing 30 boats a year to having a gas pump, I mean, it's significantly bigger now. So there had to be some pretty influential points. He in was... One of the, I guess one of the things that got copied by some of the Minnetonka boys in the early <laughs> days was he was one of the first ones to start racking boats. Instead of just setting everything on the ground, um, he was he was one of the first that had, you know, what, what now is all over the, you know, the country. And I won't say he was the first to do it like he, he didn't invent this, but certainly in this area in the state of Minnesota to have a building with a rack system where you would forklift a boat that didn't own a trailer. You know, somebody had a boat that, with no trailer. Um, you know, he was kind of the first one to to say, hey, we're going to build a building with a rack system in it, and we'll put the boats without trailers up on a rack with a forklift truck, and then below it we can stick either block another boat or put a boat on a trailer. Um, so I think the whole idea of the dry rack storage and, you know, using building buildings, um, building a building that was specifically for storing boats versus just having a another pole barn that you stuck boats in, yeah. um, that was definitely one of the things that, that my father did first, and and, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I guess as far as innovative things that he did, he, <clears throat> he was just kind of the jack of all trades dude. He could, you know, he could varnish a boat. He could, you know, back then the deck striping was kind of a really tricky thing on the old wood inboards from what I understand. And, you know, he had a hand for painting custom license numbers for doing the, you know, the grout or the striping in between the planks on the old inboards, you know, beauty. He could, he could, you know, he was a woodworker. He was an awesome woodworker. He could you know, fix wood boats and, you know, uh, replace rotten, you know, pieces and, you know, repaint the names on the back because he had a heck of a, of a skilled hand for, for doing fine lettering. And, you know, he just, he just really kind of fit in. He kind of made the, 
the niche. I mean, he had he had mechanical skills because engines were very basic back then, but he never really claimed to be a mechanic. He, he from the beginning he hired, hired you know back. actual mechanics, but yet he could do you know probably about you know seventy percent of that stuff himself even back nice. then. You know, with the simplicity of them, so. You know, that was just kind of built it from the ground up and went with the flow, whether it was product or service needs or, right. you know, whatever it was. That's yeah. neat. That's neat. Anything so, else that sticks out? Well, I guess nothing that really stands out. How about out yourself? Hand. What were some, <laughs> what's like turning points for you when you bought it from your parents and what were some of the things that have changed in the industry over your No, well, my career? forte was always just more the, you know, the, uh, the public relations and the sales side is what I was really good at. I was not... I didn't have the technical skills or the mechanical type uh, engineering type side that my father had, but I was definitely more of the people person, more of the salesperson. And, you know, whether it was, you know, I just, from the time I started when I was 13, 14, I was running the pro shop. And by the time I was 16, I was selling boats and I was running forklift trucks and running around the yard, you know, when I was 10 or 12, you know, they couldn't keep me out of the Jeeps. They couldn't (laughs) keep me off the forklift truck. I just kind of did what I wanted to do. And Dad kept an eye on me, and all the guys were like my brothers that worked there, and yeah. and I just kind of assimilated in, and that's all you know I wanted to do. I never, I never played baseball with the rest of the kids, or played football in the fall, or I mean, all I just wanted to work. I just, I went home after school, and if I could get in, you know, four or five hours till the sun went down, and in the spring of the year, you know, go home and start whether it was delivering or, you know, whatever, until the day I got my driver's license, they had me on the water, and then I was on the road, and. I mean, basically just the way I went, you know, I went off to college for a few years and wasn't, uh, wasn't what you would call a, uh, model college student by any means. Yeah. So one day my dad told me, why don't you quit wasting my time or your, he says, quit wasting your time and my money. He says, I think, uh, you should forget about college and get yeah. to work full time. So that's what I did. Well, we have a lot of customers that weren't very good college students too. <laughs> They've done very well. So, so yeah. But- what was the first boat that really like you're like, oh, my God, that's the coolest thing. Oh, the first boat that I said, what's the coolest thing? Well, we sold some Chris Crafts in the late 60s, early 70s that were pretty neat, um, pretty futuristic for their time. And, of course, at that point, by I was born in 61. So, you know, I mean, I just I remember the boats in the early days. The early Evinrudes, you know, were really cool when I was a very little kid. But, you know, they were really ahead of their time. The old Evinrude Sportsman's, the old Evinrude Rogue, <clears throat> some boats that were really unique and quite luxurious for their time. But, you know, the my era really started was the kind of the Glastrons came in in the, yeah. in the early to mid-70s. You know, one of the first cool boats I had myself was a CV-16 Glastron, 1974, um, inboard-outboard. A couple of my buddies had the same boats in the outboard versions, the old Metal Flake, you know, sleek, James Bond-looking you know, for the time, I mean, very <laughs> futuristic. I mean, that's kind of when, you know, when I started, you know, by the, that by that time when I was 13, 14, and we were water skiing behind them. And then, of course, that kind of rolled into as everybody really got into the water skiing, and we had jump ramps and slalom courses. Everybody started getting into the, the tournament inboard boats, the Mastercrafts yep. and the Nautiques and the Ski Supremes. And, you know, so that was, you know, that was kind of my era where we, you know, my age group, you know, really flourished in the boats in the 1970s. And then, um, you know, into the early 80s as we reached adulthood. But, but yeah, that, that was the cool stuff for us back in the 70s when we were teenagers. Running around. You know, running around, yep. We chased the girlies by boats. We <laughs> uh, had our keg parties on the islands. We 
pretty much ran amok on the chain and did what we darn yeah. well pleased. And, and there weren't any uh, no-wake channels back there then. There was either. no no-wake <laughs> channels. We could water ski barefoot, go anywhere we wanted, do anything we wanted, and no real law on the chain back then. And it was, you know, kind of the Wild West, but it was also, like I said, a, a much quieter time up here. Yeah, you know, there's exactly. nowhere near the traffic and the development and, and everything that there is so today. So where, where did you have the ski jump? Did you have that on Rush, or what lake no, did you No, the have? first ski jump was down by Sand Island and Cross Lake. Okay. Yeah, Who'd the first one I jumped Brad? off of actually before our own was uh, was the Johnson family, Eric and Harlan Johnson. That's where I learned to jump, and that's where I learned how to slalom ski, was they, they had a, a, a set up on South Cross. Both their jump ramp was over along the shoreline on West Shore Drive, and then the uh, Harlan ski course was right in front of his parents' <laughs> old house. And that's where we all hung out was with Harlan and Eric and, and uh, started, you know, really getting into the tournament side. And then some friends put a course in up on hay at about the lower hay. Okay. The uh, the old Curry Bunch and Schroeder and all them got there yeah. about the same time that we put our first slalom course in on, on Rush. Okay. And then we quickly, Johnny Peeper and a whole bunch of us built one of the, the second ski ramp that, I shouldn't say second because there was a guy by the name of Greg Mernan that came well before us. Um, Tim Mernan and the Mernan family are still on Rush Lake to this day, but he actually was was even before us. But we never we never really hung with him. He was older, and and um, you know so you know the Johnson bunch and all of us were kind of the in the same era. Yeah. You know of the uh, of the mid to late seventies into the eighties. You know, <laughs> so so yeah, we built a, the first uh, six foot wide 14 foot wide six foot tournament ramp actual tournament uh to tournament specs which was bigger than what eric johnson's was and we had that down on the shoreline by arrowhead on okay. uh, off of sand island okay yeah so interesting and full disclosure harlan johnson is kendra's father <laughs> it is <laughs> and harlan was barefoot skiing until how recent uh technically i think he's still gonna try this summer at 70 so That's pretty good yeah, he's and 69. He's still South Bay Cross. Still has Across. the same route. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pretty crazy. Yeah, I know every yeah. every story I you know, I've I talked to my dad about some cross like history. He's like, back in Brad Nelson and I am like, oh God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's some pretty classic photos of some cool kids sitting out on that that jump and it's it's cool to see all the history and how that came about. But yeah. you guys were little rebels back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time and said uh you know, people loved us and people hated us. You know, they thought for our time, the, the old tournament inboard boat, which nowadays anybody would look at and laugh at because they look so <laughs> tiny and so small and they throw about a four inch wake no matter what speed you go. And yep. we were accused back then of being the rebels and we were tearing up the shoreline and, you know, we were ruining the environment with our high power, fast speed boats and, and they didn't like our slalom courses and they didn't like our jump ramps and, you know, the, and, um, you know, we, we certainly created commotion that we really didn't intend to, to you know, promote. We we were just out there because we really loved to water ski, and a lot of us went on to to you know to do, you know, organized tournament water skiing. So we weren't just out there goofing around. You know, yeah, we took, you were we took it, it seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one of our friends, well, a few of our friends skied at you know national levels. You yep. know, that carried it on. Verna Clark, another local gal, that basically I kind of got going in the well, she couple years older than me but she started really getting into skiing when she moved back here and started skiing with our group and she's skied in the nationals and placed in one and so anyway we've got pretty good history of some of our old crew from back in that day went on and skied at a 
at a competitively at a national level, mm-hmm. you know, which was fun to see. But but then we kind of got forgotten about uh, as we were starting to wind down a little bit anyway in the mid to latter 80s. Um, these things called jet skis came along, personal <laughs> watercraft. Yeah. And um, that completely took the pressure off the, you know, all of a sudden we water skiers seemed to be saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they didn't, we weren't bothering anybody anymore. We weren't doing anything different. <laughs> we, we just gave everybody on the lake something else to complain about. Yeah. You yeah. know, so that, that we still kind of giggle about that. So, yeah. you know, once the jet skis came along, well, then we water skiers were, weren't bad people anymore. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a, it's a transition of sorts over the lakes, yep. over the years. Yep. And, and they continue on to this day. And, you know, that, that I think that's something that, never really changes, you know, as the lakes develop and get more crowded and, yeah. yep. you know, so. And, and technology yeah. changes technology. things, innovations, innovations yep. in housing. Yep. The houses are changed. Boats have changed. It's just yep. inevitable. So. Yep. Exactly. We got the two yeah. right people in the building for that then. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. So Brad, I guess um, maybe tell us a little bit about, so CNC, and then obviously everyone kind of knows the recent change that came about the last few weeks. Maybe speak to that a little bit and how that process went and how you kind of came to that decision and anything you want to tell us about Marine Max? Well, it, it, um, I, I think it was just inevitable. 67 years and, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm 62 years of age now. Um, so, you know, it, it was just kind of time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was getting a little burned out. I've been doing it actively for 50 years. I started at the gas dock when I was 12 years old. And people can kind of chuckle about that, but I mean, I, I work full time, you know, from Memorial Day to Labor Day and all my weekends and even came home during college would come home and work weekends. So, I mean, I was, you know, involved 100%, you know, in the business from, from the time I was 12 years old, you know, giving it my all. So it was time for me to, to step away. And the last three years of COVID really kind of capped it. We, we had really built the business. I had really built the business to a point where, um, you know, we were stressing our infrastructure. Um, we were stressing our manpower, our, you know, our crew. And then COVID came along and uh, we shot up about 35% overnight. And three years of my life just kind of, you know, disappeared in front of my eyes. We don't know where it went, but boy, it <laughs> went fast. Yeah. And, uh, and that was just kind of the, you know, kind of the start of, you know, about a year and a half ago and me starting to kind of look at the picture of what would have what does the picture look like? How do you sell? You know, it's not as easy as, as just putting a sign in front of your house and selling a house and packing up your goods and moving on. There's a lot of moving pieces, parts to it. So, you know, we had, we had kind of been talking about it, my wife and I, and, and, um, you know, we, we just, you know, realized that it was time and, and it was good timing from the market that we'd had three outstanding years and, you know, all through the, uh, you know, the late teens after we climbed out of the great recession and, 2010, 11, things were, you know, going along good. But as I mentioned earlier, we just, we needed buildings. We, you know, a lot of the old buildings and old infrastructure my dad had built was not really functional anymore. And, and it was time to, to continue the growth. It needed a large investment. And, um, and it just, I just kind of realized that it was time for me to maybe consider moving on. And, and then I started talking with the people from Marine Max and, um, you know, I have to be honest that it really probably wasn't my favorite choice because, you know, the whole idea of a big corporate entity like Marine Max kind of scared me at first. But I started meeting with them and we started having conversations with them and started learning more about what their organization was about. And I realized, too, that I had built the business to a, a size where just, you know, the average, you know, the average person or maybe somebody that owned another, you know, business of, a you know, my size or what, you know, it was a difficult model to just come in 
and buy it out and then put put it into a, in the investment into it that it required to, to take it to another level and another you know take it into another growth cycle mm-hmm. so um you know we've we, they've got when you know they have full intentions of expanding the marine operations expanding you know the storage capabilities as we continue to sell we have to you know increase our our service capacities and you know not just as far as what daily services but the storage and yeah. and you know different forms of repair whether it's canvas fiberglass all of those things um, you know, it, it just, uh, like I said, there's a lot of moving pieces to a business like ours. Yep. You know, it's not just as simple as like a automotive service department where that's what they do as automotive, you know, right. service or, you know, technical repairs. I mean, we do the technical repairs, we do the service, we, you know, you, people want them, you know, detailed and cleaned and waxed when they're put away. And, you know, there's fiberglass and nicks and dings and, you know, there's, you know, canvas repairs, as I mentioned, you know, there's a lot more moving yeah. parts to a service department um, in the marine side than there is when people, you know, try to compare our business like to the automotive side. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it takes it, it takes a special skill set, and and that's what Marine Max, you know, that's what they do, and that's all they do. Right. You know, they are in the boat business. Yeah. So I want to do a line with a partner so I can drive by and, you know, five years, ten years, whatever it may be, and and look at a facility that's growing and and you know, um, you know. It, and be proud of the fact that it's something that my father and I started and built and, and, um, and have it continue serving the whitefish chain for many years to come. Yeah. So, you know, from my standpoint, kind of just not being in that, you know, we've been friends for years and I've been a client of yours for years, but I just look at what they did at Nisswa Marine and I would, they've really done a good job, I think Mm -hmm. over there Mm -hmm. with their staff. It seems like their staff has stayed together. So, they are a big corporate entity, but it, at least it, from my standpoint, it looks like it's a good group for you to kind of keep, you know, I think the people listening out there that walk in the door and are used to seeing Jimmy and your people that work for you, I would expect you to see them for a time to come for Marine Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- we certainly hope so. And But we're early in, and, you know, and I don't mean to say that in a derogatory manner at all, but some people will fit into the new profiles and some people won't. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be run the way Brad ran it. <laughs> and, um, you know, my kind of shotgun approach, quite to be very honest, I had really kind of, we'd outgrown our systems. We had yeah. really outgrown our britches. We were, we, we were doing things the same way we were doing them 20 years ago, and we were making it work, but it was getting difficult. And it was getting difficult to keep track of, you know, the business for me on the financial side. And because we were doing, you know, our volume was getting so great. And, uh, you know, obviously, like any business in the last number of years here, we've had a very difficult time finding talented people. So it's not just as easy as some people say, well, you need to hire more mechanics, you need to hire more salespeople. Yes, but I can't do that without more square footage of service Mm -hmm. department. And I can't do that without more offices. And I can't do that with, you know, so it was we kind of had hit that plateau level. I didn't use that term earlier, but it was a term I always like to use that we had really kind of maxed out. our people, our, our um, you know, our square footage of our buildings. And we were really kind of at that plateau where we needed to grow. We needed yeah. that next shot. And and that's what at my age, I just, you know, I, I really kind of looked at it. And, and um, you know, I get to stick around for a couple of years and do the public relations side, do the customer relations side and advise and be a part of, of watching, you know, that next shot of growth as we expand our buildings and, you know, yeah. expand the facility and, and um, expand offerings and product and, you know, lots of exciting things to come. And 
you know, some things that we kind of know about right now, but, you know, I'm only five weeks in, so, right. you know, there's, there's, you know, it's been a whirlwind of five weeks and, mm-hmm. you know, we're just getting through the 4th of July and everybody knows that, you know, this is a, a go time and a busy time. So, you know, we'll get an opportunity and we'll know more and we'll have more time to, to chat with, you know, not only the, you know, the powers that be at Marine Max, but, you know, with the new management team and, and, you know, start, start kind of figuring out where we are Everyone going. Fits yeah. In. yeah. That'll be fun to see. It's good that yeah. you're sticking around for a couple of years too. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's um, it's nice not to have to wear all the hats, and <laughs> and it's nice not to have to uh, to maybe be there six, seven days a week, sixty, sixty-five hours well, a week. It, it so. might be one of the reasons why you were able to come in here today well, and actually exactly, have a conversation yeah. with us. <laughs> well, and and this is the type of thing that I get to do now. This is the yeah, fun part. It is. You know, I don't have to worry about so much the very serious side of the business, the numbers, the employees, all those things, but get out in the community and and do more like I said the customer and public relations and and have some fun with it and um you know and start um also backing down a little bit on my hours and enjoying my own life a little yeah. more get yeah. down the lake well that's great you deserve it Brad <laughs> that's awesome Rob do you have anything else that you feel you know, like we need just, to you know it's it's just fun to uh, to get um business owners and as things transition it um I think our kind of a big picture from my standpoint, I think our area is kind of going through a change. You're not the only business to sell in the last couple of years. Um, we've had some restaurants change hands. You've had another Marina Al sold, um, you know, so we've had some changes. So for me, I think it's, I don't know if you, what you think about this, Brad, but I'm about 10 years younger than you. And I kind of feel, it feels to me like it's kind of the eighties. It's kind of a, the area kind of evolved in the eighties and then we had a, some periods where we have evolution and periods where we're kind of stagnant. And I think we're, we're getting into that. We're seeing it around the area. And mm-hmm. so I think we'll continue to see some things change. Um, and I think that's good. It's the evolution of the, of the town. I think it's got, it, it needs to happen across like for the area, I think is still, even though it gets very busy on weekends, it's still people see it as the resort community for the Brainerd Lakes area. I kind of look at our, our town is the resort kind of like where you go, you go down to Gull Lake or you go to some of these other bigger resorts and all the amenities we have in Cross Lake are all in these other resorts, but they're all under the resort umbrella and we have it under a town umbrella, which Mm -hmm. I think, and we're doing some cool stuff with town square. And I think, um, you know, the longevity, I don't think there's any doubt that CNC is going to be a Marina now. (laughs) I know you've had people ask you what your, you know, exit strategy is. I think you can pretty much write it down. It's going to be a marina yeah. for the future. Yeah, that won't change. And, then, you know, to kind of build on what you're saying, you know, you know, it, people get up here and, and we hear this all the time. It's getting to be just like Lake Minnetonka. Well, you know, when you're up here like last weekend, it certainly looked a lot like, you know, a lot like Lake Minnetonka. But yet we're not hooked up right next to a city with, you know, a couple right. million people. Right. right. You know, we're not built right, or, you know, within a city of... Minneapolis. Um, so yes, when you, when you're up here, those five, six, really, it's really five or six weekends a year that, you know, picks up just a week ago in late June, runs into the early August and then state fair and football practice and and private schools start. And, and so, you know, we still retain that Northwoods character. That's, that's Mm -hmm. important. And I think even compared to Gull where Nisswa is a little bit more of the touristy feel, and Gull Lake with the one big body of water and with the Craigans and the Maddens and the Grandviews, you know, offers something special, you know, for the, the corporate crowds and, and things that maybe we don't offer as much. But yet we retain that Northwoods character. 
Mm -hmm. know, our chain is, um, you know, more individual, smaller interconnected lakes. And it gives you, when you boat up here, it definitely gives you more of a Northwoods feel. And you can get away from that traffic once you kind of escape the confines of Cross and Rush and you get up into Whitefish and start touring away. You know, you can be out even in the middle of the week like this and, and you can still really feel, you know, like you're kind of out by yourself and yeah. you're in the North Woods. Yeah. So I think that's what's special about Cross Lake is, yeah, you come into town now and we've got the, you know, the ice cream shops are busy and the stores are busy and the grocery store and we've got the amenities in town, but we don't feel like a, a tourist right. hub, mm-hmm. you know, 90% of the year, you know. I would so. agree. And you can now you can boat. Now there's public docks at the Corps of Engineers Park. So I'll boat to work in September's mm-hmm. a September day. That's a beautiful day. And I, my schedule, I tie it up, walk here. And so people can boat in, you can boat to the, the park and walk it across and go to Andy's or, mm-hmm. you know, go to, go to Pine Peaks and yeah. you can do all these things now. So we are really connecting. I feel the lake and the town and, but you're right. It's, we're big, a little bit bigger than uh, Gull Lake. Gull Lake itself is a bigger lake than any lake on the chain. But when you put the two lakes together, we're almost twice the acreage. So there's, you know, you can still go for a boat ride. I did this weekend, you know, 4th of July weekend. We go to Upper Whitefish, and it feels like a normal Saturday. And mm-hmm. we could boat into the South Bay across lake and hang out with the few hundred people that are on the sunken island having a good time. So mm-hmm. we kind of have a lot, of, a lot of options for people. So it's neat. Yep. Yep. Great boating chain. Yep. And that's what it's built around. It is very yep. much a boating chain. So, yeah. And CNC had a big part to do with that. Absolutely. Quite some time. Yeah. 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 And cool. still, and more, and more to come. Yeah. You know, that's exactly. what, and that was the, you know, there was a number of developers that, you know, people that we talked to that were interested in, they said the business, but, you know, I knew their history or I knew, you know, just kind of from talking to them, you could tell they were had way more interest in the real estate than they had in the business. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't want to see happen is I didn't want to come by in five years and see it be, you know, like a private marina with a restaurant and, you know, 80 condominiums, you know, on the property. And I mean, the services and everything that we've provided for years and the Marine Max will continue to build on and provide for the Whitefish chain is very necessary. You know, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of growth that has happened and more growth to occur. And, you know, now we've partnered with, with somebody that can, you know, that can meet that growth head on and, and, and help build this, you know, this business into the next couple of decades. And because the chain needs it, yep, you know, 100%. And we, it would have been a shame to see, you know, that, that service and that, and that history, you know, get, get knocked over in favor of a, you know, of a big condominium development. Yeah. So. So yeah, that was that was the other part of the reason that Marine Max was the perfect partner for me was, you know, I can assure that they are going there for the the reasons of the boat business, and that uh, we're not going to turn around and and find that there's a you know deviation in or that plan hidden agenda, you know, there's a no hidden, hidden agenda, agenda and a deviation in that you know three four five years down the road. So you know they're they're there for the right reasons, and it will be a different way of doing business for people that are that are used to the good old boys club that I ran. I mean, it's going to be corporate and there's going to be some, you know, some way changes in the way you do business with them. You know, things are more automated, things are more computerized and, you know, reservations and, you know, service appointments and all these different things will, you know, will go more online just like the rest of the world. Just like, just like trying to get your car into a modern day car dealership. Now, you know, you just go online to the Lexus dealership and, you get an opening and they just send you a response. They send you a text message and, you know, you'll see that type of automation, 
you know, the techie stuff that I certainly wasn't good at, <laughs> you know, you'll see those things, you know, yeah. you know, changing the way you do business with CNC, but you'll still have, you know, the certain on the water service and, and all the convenience that you've come to expect. Yeah. So. Well, that's good. It's good. Yeah. Even anything reservations at restaurants, tea times, the whole thing, it's all automated. Once yeah. you get it down, figure it out, it works. Yeah. But I really appreciate you coming in. I mean, you've got a lot of demands on your time and I know you've had a lot of people ask you questions and you're really good. Got some history. Yeah. Uh, some good stories too about water skiing and doing <laughs> some stuff. Uh, so that's neat. We very, very much appreciate your time. Yeah. I appreciate you having me in. It's yeah. Been fun. Thanks, Brad. We really appreciate it. We feel fortunate to have Brad from CNC Boatworks in to the Channel Chat podcast. Make sure you guys tune in to our next episode, but we look forward to serving you guys soon. All right. See ya. And we're back with our little real estate segment here at the Channel Chat Podcast. We have the two owners of Larson Group Real Estate in the building, and you guys have already heard Rob Berklin um, as he interviewed us earlier this afternoon with our guest. But we have Bruce Larson in the building. Bruce, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Well, I'm Bruce. <laughs> uh, Larson, Larson Group was a company we started in 1984. Yeah. Uh, and it started out as Shores and Moore, migrated to... Uh, Larson Group, and now to Keller Williams, and Rob and I have been partners for quite a number oh, of years wow. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Used to mow lawns for Bruce back in the with day. With James Stefan yeah. and I, we did lawns for Bruce, and then <laughs> I went to the bank for a couple of years, and then started working for him. So that yeah, transition fun. worked well for you, Rob. Yeah, it's gone well. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's been a good run. We got in the market when the market was just starting to boom up here. Yep. Iconic name. Well, why don't you guys give us a little bit of recap of how, you know, the spring markets kind of transition now into the summer market, what you guys are seeing as far as trends and um, other things that you think our listeners might want to hear, understand. Take a crack at it first, Bruce. <laughs> well, I've I found the year to be uh, real interesting. Everybody's buying lifestyle, it seems, these days, and rightly so. I mean, this is a great lifestyle up here. Um, we, we're not experiencing the inventory that we had in 21 and 22, mm -hmm. uh, simply because we pretty much sold everything that we had, and it's migrating back more in the form of a normal market right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Most of all of what we're bringing into the market is selling, and uh, we're still calling it a seller's market. 100%. Yep. Seller's yeah. market. Um, we still have more buyers than listings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we... The, Bruce is right on the lifestyle. It, that's the biggest thing I think that's changed since COVID. I think it's, um, God, we talk about it, even with Brett, in the interview with Brad. I mean, we all talk about it. It's a reality, and it's been a huge plus for our area. I can't think of a, a time, a three-year period in the history of real estate, Bruce, in all your years where we've had a run like this. So, and people want to be here, and that's the difference. And people want to rent cabins here. They want to live here. They want to move to Arizona. They want to move to Florida, and they want to live here, and they don't want to live in other parts of the state. And so we're all just benefiting from it right now. So that is the market condition. It's a seller's market. We don't have a lot of inventory. We don't see that changing going into fall. Mm -hmm. uh, buyers aren't as frenzied to buy as they were. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's settled down a little bit. They're trying to do a lot of things to slow the economy down. So that does affect buyers. But when a buyer finds the property that they've been waiting for, they don't hesitate either. Mm -hmm. So it's still very much a seller's yeah, very market. Very true. Yeah. We're fortunate to be doing what we're doing right now. It's a, it's a good time in Cross Lake, Whitefish Chain, real estate. People like it for yep. the right reason. Yep. So I guess just last thing to kind of wrap this up, what is like kind of one reason that, you know, 
people should work with Larson Group. I mean, there's there's lots of great real estate companies in the area. I mean, we're iconic for great real estate and Lakeshore, but why why should someone work with Larson Group Real Estate? Well, we're a team. You know, some people market them market themselves as a team, but we are a team. You get mm-hmm. 11 people, professionals, men and women that will work for you, whether you're a buyer or a seller. And mm-hmm. we have agents that do more on the buying side and agents that do more on the selling side. And then we have team members that are some licensed assistants, professionals, and are, that are here to guide you through the whole process. So I, I do feel we've, Bruce and I, our goal always was to set up a team company, not a traditional company. There's nothing wrong with a traditional company. You just need to pick your niche. Mm-hmm. And our niche was selling Lakeshore yep. in Crowing and Southern Cass County. And we just feel like we give that level of service that a lot of our clients give in their business. Yep. So I think that's the biggest difference. And all of us, our history is, it's there's a lot of years of history here and everyone does it full time. And I think that's really In my opinion, that's the difference. Our market knowledge and the structure of our company and the people we have working with us is we're we're pretty lucky to have the team we have. Absolutely. What I take pride in most is all the repeat customers that keep coming back year after year, whether they're referring their friends or choosing to do business with us after years have passed. Every time they come back, it's just sort of reinforces that we're the idea we had. It was a good idea and it's working. Awesome. Yeah. We've sold a lot of properties on the lake over and over and over again. <laughs> but the the beautiful thing is it's been to different clients. That's awesome. It's not the property. It's the people we work with. Cool. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys for jumping on the podcast and chatting with us really quick. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys on the podcast in the future. Thanks, Thank guys. Nice, Skinner. Yep. Once again, we want to thank everyone for tuning in to Channel Chat Podcast. Because of you, we are able to make amazing podcasts just like this. Tune in next time for another great guest. We're super excited to see you guys and hear from you soon. All right. See you later. Bye.